Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the 2023 National League East Division Champion, Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast, Atlanta Braves Digital Media Content Manager, joined, as always, by my co-pilot, Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. Greg, it, I think we've known this was coming for a while because this team has pretty much just dominated from day one. Uh, but, boy, it doesn't make it feel any less sweeter. We even <laughs> Last year was great. You know, chasing it down, coming down to the wire. After that, though, it was nice to win it again and do it kind of on seemingly on cruise control at times. So it's six times straight. It's it's amazing. Oh, and before we, before you get we get into it, there are a lot of people. There's a lot of talk out there about you know the young core moves the front office made, all these different factors that have helped lead to six straight. But I think what's really most being talked about on the streets out there is the fact that. The Braves haven't lost an NLE since Greg McMichael and Ricky Mass launched behind the Braves podcast in 2018. <laughs> so uh, credit to us today. Big, big credit to us for inspiring that, right? Yeah, well, you know, you got to be known for something, right? <laughs> it's a lot better than other things I'm known for. It's nice to have one of those seasons where you're not so stressed. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of stress. We're not the ones playing, but there's a lot of stress as fans watching this team. And, you know, you get guys get hurt and you're thinking, oh, no, this is going to, where's this, which way is this going to turn? Of course, you know, there's been seasons where we're like going, is it going to turn? Right. And then we, uh, we got to watch a team that just played at such a high level for the whole season. And you just hope that maybe they weren't going to peak in July. And then all of a sudden you're thinking, well, well, they they keep doing it, right? They're, they're playing. And they just, they've maintained a level of consistency that, you know, reminded me of some of the teams that I was on. And I just, it's so fun to know that there's not these big swings during the year that no matter what was going on in the clubhouse, what was going on, you know, Alex and, Snit and the rest of the coaching staff, they just and the players just maintained this level of professionalism the whole year and they just played at such a high level. So it's great to see. I think that's good news for us. So, as you think, we go into that next phase of the season where you know, called the postseason, they're going to be ready for a lot of things. They're they're tried and true, they're seasoned, they're you know, we got young guys with experience, veterans with experience. I don't know. I think the expectations couldn't be any higher, but I don't think that affects this team. I think they have their own expectations, yeah. and they've played so well that, I mean, I think they just, they're just, you know, you don't want to call it cruise control, but there's just a, there's just a level of consistency there that makes you think about cruise control, but the intensity's there. So I love, I love what they're doing, and I just can't wait for them to get to that next phase. I kind of felt like that Philly series was almost like a, a microcosm of of the season for this team in that you had a couple games where ninth inning things went went wrong and it had all the makings of something that was going to blow up in in your face or well not like it was going to end the the season or anything but you know you're going to lose the game and both times this team came right back immediately came back and said no no we're good we're all right we didn't get you this inning we'll get you the next inning won the game yeah. and there's so many things if you think about this team this year i mean and i'm we're not the first person people to say this but if you could go back to the beginning of the season and say hey uh kyle wright is not going to pitch for you until september or he's going to pitch very little at the beginning and then not come back till september max is going to miss multiple months just those two things alone we'd say like how do you think they're going to do this season without two very 
key pieces of the rotation not being there for an extended period of time. I don't know about you. I'd have been worried. I well, yeah, think about Brad Hand and Kirby Yates. We're going to close out yeah. the final game. I mean, yeah. you know, the final two games. It, you know, we wouldn't. And, and Snit kind of alluded to that last night, saying, "Yeah, you know, if you had told me, you know, what what happened during the season, I would have been very skeptical that we would be in a good position." And and maybe Alex uh, um, said that too as well. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, there's just I, I love what you just hit on there that not really cruise control because the the intensity is there every day and the i was thinking about this too with six straight and how going back to 2018 and how that not that the team wasn't like trying to go the whole way that year because obviously they always are that's always the real goal but that team arrived almost you know there was the rebuild and we knew that things were there, there would be a full comeback of like okay the braves are back kind of deal that team almost felt like it was a year early, almost. So it kind of felt like once they won the East, they were just playing with house money. And the the joy and jubilation of just winning the East was kind of like, for this team to have done that, that's a heck of an accomplishment. Anything else that happens after this is gravy for the 2018 Braves. And that was how we felt. I remember, I think we just won one postseason game that year against the Dodgers in the DS here at home, Game 3, the Acuna rookie year Grand Slam game. And I remember we you know, we subsequently lose game four, and I remember being with front office staff. A few of us were down in uh, Terrapin Tap Room, Fox Brothers here at the ballpark, just getting some food and having a, having a beer, you know, kind of celebrate the end of the season kind of deal. Not celebrate, but just chat, you know, recap. And I remember we just gotten eliminated from the postseason, yet there wasn't sadness or anything it was we were still excited because we were like we felt like or at least i felt like this is the beginning of something right this is we've we're we're back and now we can build on this and i fast forward to last night and of course the guys were celebrating as you always do but you can just tell you can sense that like okay we're going to celebrate this tonight but this is not the pinnacle this is not anything that happens after this is gravy for us i'm not making any bold headlines or anything the expectation for this team of themselves and of us here working here and fans too is they they should win the World Series. And I think anything short of that is going to be a letdown. Not mm-hmm. that this isn't going to be an incredible team that we should celebrate regardless of how it all ends. I mean, goodness gracious, just the, the records and milestones alone are just oh, yeah. mind-boggling. But we're in a place now, I, I just keep going, I was thinking back 2018 and 2023 and what this has built into and what what this team expects of themselves. Mm-hmm. And you can sense that last night. It's like, sure, this is next thing. How do you, I, I did want to ask, cause you, you were fortunate enough to be on a lot of those great Braves teams in the nineties and you were around there long enough and deep enough into that run that it became expected that the Braves are going to win their division and go into the postseason. So how do you, you talked about that intensity. How do you maintain that intensity and make sure that you're still focused on it and still have it come October? Sure. I mean, it's a concern. It always is. I remember in, um, let's see, 93, we fought, um, you know, uh, the Giants the whole way. So it was like the other extreme. You find, oh, okay, are we worn out? You know, because we'd beaten the Phillies all year long, and all of a sudden, you know, we fight tooth and nail to get there. But then in 95, we clinched early, and we had a really rough first series. And I think that might have been because we clinched early, but it's also because Murderer's Row, you know, with the with the Rockies, they were pretty darn good, and we started out there at their place. It's a fine line. You, you have to really... Um, 
you know, can you rest guys too much? And this this concerned me the other day when I was when we think about how we are approaching the rotation, and maybe guys are conditioned a little bit different. But I just know that when you think about a rotation like what we had, those guys knew from beginning of spring training all the way through to the postseason what day they were pitching on. And, you know, they always give baseball players a hard time about being superstitious, but it's really not superstition. It's about routine. And that routine needs to be – is that word means it's the same all the time. And when you start messing with that, you get into trouble. And the bullpen doesn't have as much routine. You have to kind of create your pre- and post-game routine. But the actual game routine is kind of difficult because you never know when you're going to pitch. And maybe that's a routine is that it's not, you know, it's not consistent. But for the starters, and you hear this a lot with hitters, those guys who want to be in the lineup every day, those guys who want to pitch every five days, when you start messing with that, it, it really – it messes with you because this game is built on routine and consistency. So that's the only thing that concerns me. If we start giving guys six starts, six days in between a start, seven days in between a start, you know, take two days off from hitting and you start doing that for the next two weeks, I think it I think it impacts you. I, I've been concerned for the last I don't know, three or four weeks or more because we've been doing that with our starting rotation. I don't buy into the whole, you need rest during the season. You've got too many pitches and all that kind of stuff. I just don't think the data is there. And I, I know Smoltzy would agree. And I've, you know, I understand the science and, and I've been watching pitching long enough. I've, I've pitched, I've seen pitching, I've talked pitching. And I just don't, I think it's just the way we, the way it is now. It's just accepted, but I don't think there's data behind it. I think when you start messing with that routine, you run a serious risk of messing up what's going on. So that's the only thing that really concerns me. I hope that doesn't happen. I think with the records that we've got going on and guys want to accomplish some personal goals over the next couple of weeks, that'll probably keep them in the lineup and keep them not doing too much. But I remember the worst time ever in the season was the All-Star break because you literally had three days off. And when you don't pick up a ball and you don't do much for three days and you don't have any of that adrenaline going, it messes with that first game's back always tough. Or if you've gone four or five days because the starters used to go nine innings and we'd have two or three of those in a row it was tough it was tough and that was always the best days were like you pitch two day one one day off pitch one you know day off you know that kind of thing but that's really the only thing when I think about this team I hope these two weeks don't get to the point where um, they get out of their routine and they don't they don't perform as well because they lose their intensity a little bit I was thinking you you mentioned how it's coming out of the all-star break is or the all-star breaks the worst time if you think about this team this year if i'm not mistaken off the top of my head came out of the all-star break you know went into the break just guns a-blazing i think won a, a big series in tampa bay right before the break and came back here and played the white Sox, which the white Sox are just one of the worst teams in baseball this year and i believe won the first game back but then dropped the next two at home uh, to a bad White Sox team. And I always kind of wondered if it's just coming out of the break. Just And it's just baseball. Sometimes that stuff happens. But all right, a couple things you touched on there and uh, that I wanted to ask you about. We'll get to the, the guys and their personal goals and stuff because I definitely want to get into that with you. But first, focusing on a little more on last night's game, Spencer Strider's performance. He came out in that first inning through a ton of, I think he was over 40, wasn't it? I think it was 33. Was it 33? Yeah, I thought it was closer to 40. Okay, it could have been. It's a lot either way. <laughs> either way, it was a lot. And yeah. it was a lot where you're thinking, if he can even get through five, we're going to be mm-hmm. lucky here. And I was 
look, he's had these games where he gets well into the double digits and strikeouts, and there are times where it's just like this guy is right now at this moment the best pitcher on the planet. Last night to me, and I'm not basing this on the stats or any of it, I'm just for me personally – uh, it, it's it's funny because he, he he didn't come up until like literally the last series of the regular season of 2021. So he's not been here very long, really, in the grand scheme of things. But for me, so far in his very young career, last night's start was the one of his that I was most impressed by and that I thought was. And I guess because we're getting so close to October and you think about what it takes to be successful in October. And I feel like we've, we've got this amazing offense, but I think you still have to have, you got to have a couple core guys in the rotation in October. You got to have, in 2021, you got to have Max Frieda. You got to have your number one guy out there that's going to go out there. But you need other guys to step up too. And I thought that performance by Spencer last night, to get through a first inning when he just, you could, he was battling and he battled his way through it. But to not only come back, pitch as well as he did, but then go seven innings in a game like that where, yeah, we've got a huge lead, but everybody, it's still, you want to clinch. You want to get it done. And especially you want to do it there with the main team that's chasing you or the main team that's behind you because there's a good chance we'll see them again here in a couple weeks. Um, so for him to come out and do that and pitch as well as he did after to get through the first inning, get through seven innings total, and also the bullpen had been pretty taxed over the previous days. So to buy some of the guys in that bullpen some more time, I thought was huge. I just, what were your thoughts of Spencer's start last night in that game? Yeah, I think anytime you have a guy who has been, he, you could say he's been one of our aces this year. I mean, Max has been out, so he would have to be the ace. And you see him take it into another gear um, after the first inning. And, and just to get – and let's face it, those innings can snowball on you where you may not get out of it. You know, then you, you walk a couple guys and bad things can happen on the road. You know, it just takes an error. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, it's over. So that was great to see. So a lot of things you can – you can pitch that bad inning, right, and then – doesn't mean the next inning is going to be great. So what was so amazing about it is that you have a very taxing inning, and then you come back and you become Mr. Efficient. When you have a strikeout pitcher like that, it's not it's not always easy to you know, have 11 pitches the next inning, and that's what he did. So he went 33, then he went 11, then he had like, you know, 12, 14, 8, you know, so that that's pretty that's like a sinker baller. So I think that speaks to him. Number one, he's uncontrolled the strike zone. He's attacking. He's in, he's ahead. But then he's a guy that can give you seven innings. You take out that first inning, he may have thrown a complete game. Right. You know. Um, so I don't know what gear he kicked it into, but that's that's incredible to see. And I I watched him towards the end of the game, and uh, he just looked sharp. I mean, he looked really really good under control. And, and of course, you know, a team that he's done well against during the season but you know he's had that one bad game in philly last year but coming off of injury too. coming off an injury yeah and he'd had some time off again yeah. there you go uh especially with a guy that i don't care how hard you throw it requires a lot of feel to be a pitcher with three pitches and um at this day and age you just to be in full command you have to have good feel so that goes back to the routine right the better the routine the longer the routine the better feel you keep on the ball the better the better things but you know things happen um 
it seems outcomes, you know, end up being better for you when when you are in that consistent routine. So it was great to see. I mean, if you think about it, for us, the four guys between Charlie and Max and Bryce and um, and, and Strider, you have four guys like that. I'd put those four guys up against anybody in the league. I, that's got got to make you feel really, really good about it because really the thing that we've struggled with, of course, our bullpens kind of suffered some of the same things. I mean, like I said, you wouldn't have expected that that we had um, you know Brad Hand and and, and uh, closing out that game, that critical game. He pitched a great job in the eighth last night, but then the game before he closes it. You we picked him up. And he's a guy who's a former closer. So um, so the bullpen's evolved a little bit, but then you get guys back like A.J., you know, mentor. It's a shame we haven't seen Jesse because Jesse was an integral part. Um, I don't know his status, but uh, uh, he's he's pitching. He pitched the other night, I believe, for Gwinnett. I don't have it in okay. front of me, but he's okay. he's working his way back. You know, he's a guy that we depended upon heavily earlier in the year, and we lost him. Mm-hmm. And now that Colin's out, um, Jesse's going to be key. But so anyway, I just think that we're in a great situation. We got the best situation in baseball with our lineup. Great situation. I'd put us up against anybody with our starting staff. Mm -hmm. Now it's just really the bullpen um, with Iglesias and, and, you know, hand and those guys. Can we, can we put games away in the sixth, seventh and eighth Mm -hmm. and um, before, you know, Iglesias gets in there, but and I know Iggy's had a couple of rough outings, but the guy didn't even allow a run in the month of August. Oh, yeah. if, he's just, His body works good. It's, you That's know what we have gonna, to count on. You know he's going to be okay. And closers, even the best ones, relievers, pitchers, they all sure. go through it. You know that. Mm-hmm. It happens. We've seen it. I remember years ago when Craig Kimbrell was here and he was still very much in his prime. Of course, he's still around, still closing for the yeah. Phillies, but very early in his career where he, there was no doubt he was the best closer, best relief pitcher in baseball. And I think it was a series against the Reds on the road where he blew two or three games in a row. And you just have to chalk it up to, it's, it sounds so silly. I feel like I do this a lot, but I'm just like, well, it's just baseball. It happens. I mean, it happens. Even the best, it just happens. You go through little stretches. So I'm not worried at all about Iggy. One, one more thing on Spencer. Uh, so seven innings, four hits, one earned run, nine strikeouts last night, which was almost like a nine strikeouts under the radar. That almost feels like uh, Spencer didn't have quite as many strikeouts as usual last night because he well, strikeouts so many. Because but, you wouldn't be efficient right. if you were, if you did. It's probably right. a good thing. Well, and that's I, I He'd felt have been out in the fourth, yeah, or the fifth. I, I felt like last night. Not that I know Spencer well or anything, but I feel like from what I've know about him, what I've witnessed. There's probably nobody on planet Earth that is harder on Spencer Strider than Spencer Strider. I think he goes out to the mound every fifth day with the weight of the world on his shoulders. And I don't mean that in like he's nervous because that's clearly no. not. He's not. He's obviously as confident he as he gets. He has expectations of himself. But his, he puts and, – and, you know, you wouldn't think it. I think Charlie Morton is actually kind of the same way. You know, Charlie's interviews and he's so like just – even keeled seeming, but I think Charlie kind of has a similar expectation of himself or just that really like it's all on me and they really have such high expectations for themselves that at times, and I'm not, now I'm not calling them out here specifically. This is more of like pitchers or players I've watched over the years and I'm not an evaluator or anything, but this is just 
me observing. I think there are some guys that they have so much of that. They put so much pressure on themselves that at times mentally it gets a little detrimental to them. Mm -hmm. And you can see it when things start unraveling for them. You can see it in their body language on the mound. You can see just you can just kind of feel it and sense it and tell. And there have been a couple of times with Spencer where I've worried that like, man, I hope he just can, like, I can tell things are not, he's, things aren't working for him. Mm -hmm. And I can, you can just kind of see it in his language. Like he's, yeah, uh, he's a tough competitor. He's, he's such a competitor right. and he's so hard on himself that I, last night could have been one of those nights where that first inning, it could have unraveled. It could have gotten sure. to him. But instead I felt like he, took this step one more step to being like an old pro or a veteran last <laughs> night where he got his way through it and and, and well he just yeah. got his way through it and, and did a great job when they were talking about andrew jones during the ceremony and uh bobby would go to glav and say hey you know or he'd go to tp or one of these uh, veteran guys and say hey you need to get on Andrew. He's smiling too much, even when he's striking out. <laughs> right. Remember, Glass said something right. about that. Right. Well, that was a real thing. Is that they people felt like that you couldn't enjoy the game that much to where striking out or or you know giving up a home run, you didn't you didn't just like hang your head and it's like you're not taking break it seriously a toilet, enough. You know, going to right. like I mean the old the old closers and and Bedrock used to tell me this. He goes, man, you wouldn't believe how many toilets I destroyed in locker rooms. <laughs> Because if they blew a save, they came in, they took a baseball bat to chairs and lockers and, you know, and they just say, send me the bill. Well, that was the mentality. And, of course, I mean, I was intense, but I, 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 I wouldn't take it because I felt like if I went over that to that direction, I couldn't get back because I'd get too emotional. So I was kind of in between. I was never too high, never too low. I was kind of always taught that. And I was afraid if I went one way or the other, I would lose something and I was trying to control. But that was a real thing. And, and so I understand what you're saying that, you know, one one way can be so hard on yourself that you feel like that you just it snowballs on you. When the other way is like, well, that guy doesn't care. Right. You know, he, he, he's just nothing bothers him. So I think we've kind of gotten away from that stigma a little bit. But I remember that was a real thing when I came into the league because I, I I didn't I wasn't breaking toilets but but I also wasn't smiling when I walked off the mound if I you know if I did poorly. Yeah, and I certainly don't think that there's a one size fits all. Everybody's got to find the right mentality that works for them. I, I certainly I hope I didn't come across that way that I think everybody no. should be the same way. No, I, I just I I just thought I, I thought I don't know if the most mature start of Spencer's career is the right w way to put it, but I just thought I, I was I was so impressed with him last night and just so happy for him and uh, God what he did he did a great job. All right, I mentioned this I wanted to touch on this because you touched on it earlier. A lot of these guys on this team and there are some collective records too that are up for grabs. The all time team home run record for a season minnesota twins 2019 i think 307 is the number if i'm not mistaken that's in play uh, matt olson his next home run will break andrew's record for the Bra franchise record for his home runs in a season for the braves ronald is pursuing has already broken records that didn't even exist before and he's on the verge of creating more for himself so as a as a team if it's not your personal record, is it still like, are you still like fired up for your teammate to be out there chasing those in these last couple of weeks? I mean, oh, yeah. And 
this team seems this 2023 Braves team seems as close knit, tight knit, cares about each other, supports each other as much as any Braves team I've ever witnessed. I could see a scenario out there on some team somewhere again, not a Braves team that I'm even thinking of or anything, but just where somebody's chasing a personal goal and maybe there's some resentment from other people in the clubhouse because maybe they think that there's they're more somebody's more worried about their personal goals sure. than the team goal. I don't get the sense that that's even remotely the case with this team. So in a good clubhouse. How much is that fire you up? Even if it's not your personal goal, it's well, still fire you up to I, see your guy chasing something. I think something? this is how that works. When you're on a winning team, everybody, the person who's the most challenging, has he's a flowery personality, right? He's he's colorful, right? Okay. If you're on a if you're on a losing team, he's a jerk. He's self centered. He's <laughs> okay. egotistical. So that's how that works with this team. They've already accomplished the first team goal. That was win the division. They're very tight. They they will be pulling for everybody. This team. They do a lot of things together as a team. They've been winning as a team. They've been losing as a team. They've done a lot of good things. I can't imagine them not wanting to celebrate that. Everybody wants everybody to succeed and do well. Personal goals, while we don't focus on it all year long, it is nice. I would be going first one to go up and congratulate somebody who threw a no-hitter, and I would expect that they would be super excited. If they had thrown four, like Nolan Ryan, in one year, and they were going to break that record to throw five if if um if we were if we had already lost 100 games and we were a terrible team i'd still be pulling for them if we won 100 games and we're in first place i'd be pulling for them what you don't want to see is somebody to be so that they're fake to where they're only concerned about that and they could care less you know they're out having a great time you know if, if they throw a one hit you know one hit a one hitter and lose one to nothing I mean, you don't want them throwing a party in the clubhouse when you just lost, right? But I, these guys don't do that. So I think it's it's it. There goes back to when you're winning, you know, it's great. Everybody's happy. But when you're losing, you know, then you can start pointing fingers, and that's kind of the way of the world, and that's kind of the way of sports too as well. But I don't anticipate anybody having any type of resentment about any of these personal goals. Right. I think just like Andrew said, I saw a video from him. Super excited about, um, you know, Matt breaking his record. I'm sure that will happen. I will be ecstatic if Ronald goes 40-40. I mean, it'll be 40-70-something. But just the fact to join the 40-40 club is amazing. It only happened three other times. What, Soriano and, um, and then Conseco. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so he'll be joining a very elite club, but then he'll be the only one ever to do you know, 40, 70, those guys barely got 40 stolen bases. So, um, that will be amazing. And then the team home runs. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just, this team just incredible. So it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, surprise anybody. So I, I think it, I think it'll be a fun two weeks to see some of these things realized. And I think we can celebrate them as fans. And I think the teams will celebrate it. And then it's on to bit. Then after that, it's on to business, right? Yeah. Then the real goal is the team goal. Right. And, uh, but everybody gets pats on the backs and hugs and all that good stuff. But yeah, yeah I think, I think it'll be great. Kudos to Andrew, I have absolutely loved how much he celebrated Matt chasing and now tying his record and, and going to break it. I, I, when we posted on uh, Braves Twitter, well, aka X, the other night, uh, the the highlight, the home run highlight of Matt's record tying home run. 
I think the first reply on it was Andrew. I mean, Andrew, uh, like, uh, replied right away. I mean, he was. It's it's great to see, which we uh, we could touch on this too. Andrew getting his number retired last weekend here at Truist Park. Yeah, that Park. was incredible. That was great, and I just Andrew's love for this this organization is so evident and. What the things that he says, the work he does, honestly, just how often he's here and just around. Uh, it's kind of like with Chipper, too. I mean, it's as a now 40 year old Braves fan, it just makes me feel good to still see the Jones boys here and they're long retired, <laughs> but I love it. It's it's great. And I'm glad we, we honored Andrew that way. And it's just great. So it's great to see him them celebrate Matt's record or breaking the record. I think that's that's amazing. Uh, and those are two really good guys to have at the top of that list for us. It goes without saying, I mean, I know we, we all thought this. It's crazy to that in a, a franchise that uh, had Hank Aaron, Chipper, Eddie Matthews, I don't know, McGriff. You start going down the list, but that uh, Andrew David Matt, Justice. David Justice, Ronnie Gant, uh, Murph, that – only two guys stand alone at over that over fifty home run mark. Bob Horner, Bob. Oh my gosh, yeah, Bob Horner. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that it's Matt. Darrell Evans had forty something home runs. It? Gary Matthews, or those guys. There was uh, about four of them that had incredible run there of home runs, collective home runs. But right. you know, there were four guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, sure. we're looking at ten. Yeah, ten sure. guys. But yeah, it's it's pretty pretty uh, pretty fun to see. So I don't know how it could get better for a Braves fan. Right now. Right. I was just thinking about that. I was talking with my wife last night. We were watching all the celebration in the clubhouse. Poor poor Kelly kept getting champagne <laughs> in her in her hair and in her eyes and they just wouldn't leave her alone. But um I said, you know, I don't I don't think it could get any better at this point. You know, yeah, we could reel off a few more World Series, but as far as excitement and day in and day out enthusiasm and engagement, you know, on the marketing team, you and I we talk about uh, we talk about we have the best fans because they're the most engaged of any other sports team in in the world, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, they, they are engaged at a rate that every other, not just baseball, but professional sports team would be is or are very envious of. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are. This is we are at the kind of the the dead heart middle of an era of Braves baseball that is in some ways unprecedented i think don't get me wrong we're at six straight you guys in the 90s early 2000s had 14 straight but really focusing at least and i was a kid i was a fan then so now as an adult kind of experiencing it through a an adult or grown-ups eyes and also working here now we're experiencing a level of engagement from fans that is just i've never seen it before it's incredible and for me on the social media side, it's kind of extra fulfilling in that I always knew that it was there. It was just waiting to the engagement was there. It was just waiting for the team on the field to match, to, to bring it out essentially. And that's what's happened. You know, I'm going to go back to, to that 2018 moment um, where I was talking with coworkers after we were eliminated from the postseason, and saying that, you know, this is the start of something. And I really believed at the time there is no way in the world I could have foreseen what we were, what the ride we were about to go on. And we're still very much right in the middle of it. I think it was Jared Carabas on um, on Twitter last night 
was was talking about the team clenching, and he said, "I feel like this this Braves young core is only halfway through their reign of terror upon the rest of the league." I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he mm-hmm. just said, I "Feel like they've they they're not even like this isn't I mean, like this is it." How could you? How could you? Unless you had you know twenty guys get hurt. I mean, yeah. there's just like it just keeps getting. There's one new surprise. Michael Harris was the latest. You know, Strider, <laughs> and you know, and we didn't even talk about Michael, but just the the struggle he went through at the beginning of the year. You know, he had a little bit of an injury bug and then all of a sudden man he shot out like a cannon and had the best i mean he had what? the best last two-thirds of the year of anybody i mean since june he batted over 300 and incredible home runs and that's what i was gonna say what does what is michael bat? michael's batting 291 after those first two months of the season you said well michael's gonna be at least making a push for 300 by the end of the year be like all right what are you smoking like <laughs> yeah, he's just right not that he can't do it we sophomore knew, blues right yeah like we knew michael was gonna be okay like it kind of like we're talking about iggy earlier went through rough stretch we saw enough we had enough sample size for michael last year to know he's gonna be okay he just went through a rough stretch as hap- happens with everybody but he'd gone through an, enough of a prolonged rough stretch that hitting around 300 or getting close to it that didn't seem like it was even going to be possible uh so to your point I mean, goodness gracious, just been playing lights out the last couple months, as is practically the whole lineup. Orlando Arcia, well, I can't say that enough was good something, things about yeah, him. We didn't know. I mean, stepping into Dansby's shoes, taking over at shortstop, hitting the way he, he was batting over 300 for, you know, half the year. And, um, you know, and then we didn't know about Eddie. Right. Eddie coming off his eye issues from last year. I mean, you didn't know he struggled. And then we came, got to talk about Ozuna. Ozuna, he was. I have no idea. Oh my gosh. I have no idea how close this actually came to be. Mm -hmm. But I, in my mind, at one point there in late April, he had to have been a day or two away from just being DFA'd. I have no clue if that was ever the case. Maybe not. Pack it up. Maybe not. But he was. He was just. I'm sure they talked about it. He was. I mean, is he better off? You know, I think if he wasn't such a great dude, that a clubhouse guy, yeah, that might have been the case. You know, you had a lot of money owed, great. But if he had been any of those other issues, like if he would have been the guy that, like, oh, we don't really need this guy around, he would have probably been packing it in. But man, that's that has to be the biggest turnaround that we saw. I mean, he's hit oh, over, yeah. hit over 30 home runs and and just amazing, uh, yeah. Yeah, and just Absolutely really amazing. became, a, for a middle part of this season, he was the guy you didn't want to pitch to. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just, it's pretty amazing what he's done. So these last couple of weeks are going to be great. I think uh, maintaining the best record in baseball is still something that I don't know how the team feels about it, how important home field is all the way through to them. I get the feeling this team just is, they have the mentality, they don't care when or where, they're just going to show up and they're going to do their thing. For me personally, I still think it's important to try to maintain home field all the way throughout if you can definitely in the in the nl and hopefully throughout the world series so i think that's certainly something to to keep playing for uh, that's important it's going to be a lot of fun uh the, the, it's been an amazing year and I'm looking forward to it uh we've got one more alumni sunday last home well last regular season game against who we got the nationals, nationals that last mm-hmm. weekend who's yep. coming for last alumni sunday so we have javier vasquez really yes Is this his first time first back, time back. Yep. oh that's yep. awesome excited about javier he had, I'll tell you, I think he only pitched here one year. 
But he was a stud that one year mm-hmm. if he pitched here. I think it was around 08, 09, yeah. somewhere in there. That's cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, one other guy, and I am drawing a blank. Doug's right. been booking those. Doug LaCitra, who's back now from after paternity <laughs> leave, so he's been taking care of this, which is great. Right, I'm going to look it up right Doug now. Booked, and this is our Los Bravos weekend, so we've got uh, another Latino. we got one of my uh, childhood heroes. Really? One of my first Braves teams I started watching as an eight-year-old kid. Okay. I think it started because I really like saying his name, but then me and my dad just both love watching him because he would come out and close games. Alejandro Pena. Nice. So I was just with Alejandro. That's Ale- great. Cool. So we got Alejandro Pena and Javier Vasquez, so that'll be fun. Uh, fantasy camp is starting to draw near, so are there any spots left? We have a couple in each. Okay. Um, but uh, for the most part, we are full. You know, we we can always we just never know. At the last time, you know, life gets in the way sometimes. So I always like to have a couple extra people on the waiting list. So yes, we have some waiting list spots, but um, for the most part, we're full. Looking forward to another great uh, January back to back weeks. And uh, I've been talking to the campers in the of the last probably three weeks, and they're just fired up. You know, watching Braves baseball, and then they know that as soon as the season's over with, man, we're it's January. We're down in Florida. That's awesome. Yeah, I can't. Kevin McAlpin has already been. He's he's already getting fired up to come down and uh, participate again. Actually, our guest on Behind the Braves from our Fancy Camp episode earlier this year, AJ Kissinger. He uh, he and his wife were in town. Yeah, this weekend. Right. I didn't. Get, I hated. I kept missing them. Get, didn't get to see them this time. But I uh, hope I'll catch up with them next time. But uh, but yeah, that'll be fun. Can't yeah, wait. he redeemed his MVP tickets. So oh. he was MVP for a game down in fantasy camp, and I let those guys, if they end up winning MVP during a game, then they get to come up and we'll give them a couple of tickets for the game. Nice. I didn't realize. I didn't realize that was he yeah. was a part of the mm-hmm. deal. Okay. I mean, I remember. He yeah, because he lives in California, so yeah, and he's a police officer, so coming over here. Because I remember was he was he rookie of the year? What award? Yeah, did he I win? think he was. I think he was. Yeah, rookie I think of you're the right. Year, yeah, and he did a great job because he won autograph bat by his favorite player, and I can't remember who it was now. I think it was. Was an outfielder, yeah. but whoever it was, I remember mm-hmm. that so cool. Tracy Johnson just contacted me, said he's going to come in town next week, and we're nice. gonna we're gonna connect. So uh, yeah, I get to see these guys during the year, and it's a lot of fun. We've we've known each other now for gosh twelve years, and it's just a great group of guys and men and women who who come down to camp, and we just uh, we we try to connect whenever they come to the game. I thought I think I saw I don't know if it was Stoney or somebody in the Braves Fantasy Camp Facebook group the other day was I don't know if they were reposting or hosting a new session for like a rookie Q and A. No, they are. Yeah, they've been doing that every year. So That's awesome. uh, Stoney's been doing that for us, and and uh, of course we don't control the Facebook site, but they uh, they all get on there talk about camp, and I, I get I, every person who comes to camp for the first time I try to let them know hey join the Facebook group yeah. those guys know more about camp than I do right because they're experiencing it from a different you know way than I do and they're just have a lot of knowledge and can really help you get prepared and meet people and that way when you go down there you already talk to and listen to some of their their uh, Q and A's. Awesome. Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, if you're wanting to interest in getting a spot on the waiting list for Braves Fantasy Camp, Braves.com slash Fantasy Camp will get you there. Uh, or you can email Greg. Yeah. You can email me if you want. I don't really, I can't really answer your questions, but I'll send you along <laughs> to Greg too. So, well, thanks everybody for listening as always. Rating, reviewing, subscribing behind the Braves wherever you get your podcasts. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, 
amazing time to work for the Braves and to be a Braves fan. Uh, we're all just enjoying it together. So we look forward to seeing you next week. For Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast. We'll see you then.